You're listening to audio from Kingsway Christian Church. If you'd like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, please visit kingswaychurch.org. Not too long ago, I was doing some cleaning in our garage, and I found some class notes. My wife and I went to Bible college together. We met in Bible college together, and there were certain classes that we had together. My wife, coming out of high school, is a valedictorian. She was an extremely good student, and she got there. Not only was she smart, but she worked really, really hard until she met me. And you could see the difference between the classes where she took notes and I wasn't in them and the classes where she took notes and I was in them. And in those notes, there were so many pages of little flirtatious comments being passed back and forth as we were just young in our relationship and having fun and doodling and I'd write something and she'd ignore me and I'd write something and she'd write back and then I'd write back and then she'd be like, I'm trying to focus. Like, yeah, I know, but, and I'd just keep distracting her. Do you you remember, do you remember if you're married, those early days when you were just kind of flirting and pursuing each other? Maybe you're still in that phase right now and you're single and dating somebody or maybe you're missing that really bad. You wish you had it. So, we're going to be going to the book, Song of Songs. And uh, the whole point of this book is Solomon wrote 1,005 love songs, and it says this is his favorite. It's the only one that we know of that made it into the scriptures, unless some of the psalms are the other ones he's referring to, but that doesn't make much sense because they aren't love songs. And so this is the one song that makes it into the scriptures. And what we see is a young couple fall in love, pursue this relationship, get married, consummate the marriage, and then figure out some marital issues. And we've just been walking through that with them. So if you're visiting with us today, we're picking up a songs of Song of Songs, or sometimes called Song of Solomon. And uh, chapter two, verse eight, it says this. Listen, my beloved, look, here he comes, leaping across the mountains, bounding over the hills. It may not seem all that fascinating, but what we're going to find out throughout where we're going to go today is she is at home, probably in some sort of stone little house with windows and lattices, and he's going to come over the hills, and she's excited. She's looking for him, and that's what she sees right here, and what I find really fascinating, if you take all of chapter one, and then the first seven or eight verses of chapter two, we are literally 25 verses into the book, and at least 18 compliments have gone back and forth between them and not one harsh word. This piece of advice alone will fix your marriage. Some of you are like, that's not funny, Pastor. That's too close to home. I know, I know. But isn't it amazing? And you remember those days, right? Where the other person could do no wrong and they just were just absolutely beautiful and amazing and stunning in every single possible way. Let's learn from that. Verse 9. My beloved is like a gazelle or a young stag. I mean, come on now. If you haven't texted that already to your boyfriend or a husband, that you have just, you're missing all the wisdom of this book. My boyfriend, my beloved, my husband, you're like a gazelle or a young stag. Look, there he stands behind our wall, gazing through the windows, peering through the lattice. I'll get to that more in a second. Verse 10, my beloved spoke and said to me, arise, my darling. My beautiful one, come with me. First of all, what you're starting to see, I think, is some playfulness that happens in their relationship. Playfulness, playfulness is the key to any relationship. You want to fix a broken relationship with your kids, with your spouse, with a coworker? Playfulness is the 
key. All that writing back and forth and flirting back and forth, that's all that's happening there. Relationships are fostered in playfulness. So now let's put some of these pieces together. You can imagine her in her house. She's got some windows, maybe some lattices, obviously, over the, over the windows. She keeps looking for him. And we're about to find out in just a moment that, that the winter has passed. Maybe he couldn't make it to her because of the storms or the rain or the whatever it is, but he comes bounding over like a young stag or a gazelle. Well, I'm not an expert in gazelles. I've seen them on TV, uh, but what is it that young stags, maybe you don't know what a stag is. A stag is just a male deer. And usually it's a, a male deer who has developed. It's got some horns. So she's looking out and going, wow. He is strong, he is developed, he's graceful, he's beautiful, and he's bounding over the hills. You can see him like bouncing. But what it shows is playfulness in his step. There's intentionality, there's pursuit, and he can't wait. And he says to her, come on, my darling, my beautiful one, come away with me. Let's go spend some time together, baby. I wanna be with you. Do you remember what it felt like to be pursued in that way? Do you remember what it felt like when you were told how special and important and lovely and darling and amazing you are? Relationships are built on this stuff. See, he says, the winter is past. The rains are over and gone. Flowers appear on the earth. The season of singing has come. The cooing of doves is heard in our land. Unpack all this in a minute. Verse 13, the fig tree forms its early fruit. The blossoming vines spread their fragrance. Arise, come my darling, my beautiful one, come with me. Again, what you're seeing is this playfulness. The winter has gone. Now, winter over there wouldn't be exactly like here. They can get snow in the Middle East. More or less, it means the storms. But if you put it metaphorically speaking, there was a season where they were separated because of whatever the reason being. But the separation season has ended. Do you ever know what it's like when you're in love and the person that you love is, is not able to be there? Perhaps they were off at war or on a business trip or distance just separated you or you met in school and your school life took you separate ways. You, you remember how your heart ached and longed and then suddenly it was time to reconnect and they showed up and that's what's happening. He's peering in the windows and oh, where are, where are you? Where is she? And they're talking back and forth. He's like, come on, baby. Come on, get up off that chair. Get out of bed, whatever you're doing. Let's go. Come on, come outside. Look outside. It's beautiful out here. Everything is blossoming and the vines and the fragrance is coming. And so it's a metaphor, both for what's happening out there. Come on, come on, come on. Remember, we were in the garden last week. Come on, come on, come on. Let's go back outside. Let's be together. But also it's a metaphor for their relationship. Everything in our relationship is growing and flourishing and it's beautiful and it's wonderful and it's exciting, right? You got those little butterflies going on in the belly. That's what's happening. It's showing us that romance is a God thing. Like, I know that it's easy for romance to fade in a relationship. As I joked last week, Right? I showed you, I loved you, I told you, I loved you, I married you, didn't I? Like, that's just not enough. And the Bible shows us that it's not enough. He says, my dove in the clefts of the rock and the hiding places on the mountainside, show me your face. Let me hear your voice for your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. I mean, I just think what would happen if we were to put more of this language in our texts today? Right? If you were to start calling each other dove or stag and talk about how lovely each other's face is and don't talk about their wrinkles or, or their balding head, nothing like that at all, right? Just nobody? Come on. All right. So there's a beauty and a simplicity and an innocence 
It's what is happening in their relationship, but their relationship is, is growing. Do you hear the way they're only talking about each other and in building up kind of ways? Here in America, it would be different from the Middle East. Doves are, they're vulnerable to birds of prey. In fact, we just had a restaurant come into Avon, Indiana, where we are called Cooper's Hawk. And Cooper's Hawk love to eat doves, the real bird, Cooper's Hawk. But over in the Middle East, there are 30-something different kinds of birds of prey, and they love to eat doves. But doves, when you see doves throughout Scripture and throughout life, what do you think of when you see doves? Beauty, elegance, peace, right? Tranquility. We use them often to celebrate really cool and really hard moments. And that's the picture that he's giving to her. She's inside her house, and like a dove, she feels safe in there. But this is powerful, and don't miss this. He's inviting her to come out and be with him. He'll protect her. You'll be safe with me. I'll take care of you. So real quick, whether you're married or single, how are your words and actions building up the one that you love? If you're visiting Kingsway, I just want to say welcome. Super glad you're here. I hope you come back. But one of my hopes as a pastor as we unpack God's word is to let God's word confront us. Let it affect us. Let it point out areas where we need to grow and change and then just accept God's grace and desire to help us grow and change in those ways. There's no shame if you're here and you need help. We're all here and need help. I will tell you that sometimes when I'm writing these sermons, it's really hard because God decides to offend me with all the ways that I need to grow and I need to change. So if anything I say today is just like hitting you perfectly, man, it's because God loves you enough to say, ah, I have better for you. Listen to me. So this would be a good time for spouses to keep their elbows to themselves and not say, hey, I tried to tell you, you listen to him, you listen to me. This is not going to help. Right? It's just going to put up a barrier. But what would it look like if your words and your actions were to make the other person feel safe? That's what Solomon is saying. You feel safe in there, but come on out. I'll protect you. I got your back. Verse 15. Catch for us the foxes, the little foxes that ruin the vineyards, our vineyards that are in bloom. Foxes here may not be exactly like our foxes. They're probably something more like jackals. But regardless... The whole idea is there's these little fluffy four-legged creatures that come and eat the grapes and nibble on the bottoms of the vines, the parts they can reach. But when they do, it cuts off the life to the rest of the vine. And so that's what this verse means. This, their love is in bloom. It's growing. It's flourishing. But there are these little things that keep popping up and destroying their relationship. And if they're not careful to capture those little things before they ruin the relationship, the relationship will be over. A guy named Charles Wendell, long, long pastor and leader of the faith, he says, it's the slow leaks, not the blowouts, the insidious Pests we seldom even consider that cut away at the heart of a home until it crumbles and two people end up walking away. So often when people who are married make an appointment with one of us on staff and they come into our office and they sit down, what you find is, I mean, when you lose a child together or you lose a job together or somebody goes through major physical trauma, those are big problems that we have to work through, but they're almost easier to work through than these constant small cuts over and over and over. And it seems crazy, but Solomon here, when he wrote this, just saying, why don't you capture those before they destroy the vine? It makes you ask this question. If you are married, like, is there anything going on in your relationship that you're not capturing? 
years ago, when my wife and I uh, were in Colorado, we were year, in our first year or two of marriage, I can't remember, and there was a, a gentleman out there who I got to know and developed a friendship with, and uh, he'd been married for about 10 or so years longer than me, and I just asked him, I said, like, do you have any wisdom for a guy who's young at this and wants to get better? Like, do you have any wisdom for me? And one of the things he said, I just thought was fascinating, he said, you know, Matt, at some around years like seven to 10 that it dawns on you, this person's never going to change. And I was like, oh, this sounds intense. This doesn't sound good. And he said, and it, until you make peace with this is who this person's always going to be. They're always going to squeeze the toothpaste from the middle like a psycho. They're always <laughs> going to do that. No, I don't care. Whatever, right? It's irrelevant. I picked the silliest thing in the world. They're always going to do whatever this thing is. And until you make peace with that, you're always going to be waiting for them to change, and they're never going to change. I, if I could go back and rehab that conversation now, right? I've been married for just celebrated 24 years. If I could go back and have that conversation, I think what I would say is, um, I don't know exactly what issue you're thinking about, but maybe, just maybe, instead of focusing on the thing they need to change, maybe ask yourself this question, is there anything in our relationship that I need to change? Is there anything between us that I need to have a hard conversation with you? And if we can't figure it out, can we go see a professional counselor or a pastor? Can we work on this and figure it out together? Because I think this little fox is gonna destroy us if we just have to make peace with nothing's ever gonna change. But listen, what if you're single and you're not married and that's not your story? The whole point of where we are at this point in the book, they're about to get married. The whole point of where we are in this point in the book is we're watching this couple pursue each other and we're learning what it means. Did you know that relationships have natural stages? There's kind of the dating, flirty stage, right, where you're texting and writing love notes and you're amazing, you're beautiful and you're awesome and those kinds of things, right? But then it progresses to like you're going out and then it progresses to like, hey, are we kind of like exclusive? And then it progresses to like, are we like going somewhere? You know, it's a DTR, define the relationship kind of conversation. Like those are healthy to have at natural points. And then there's a moment where he should go and say, will you marry me? And then you get married. And it's good to have those natural checkpoints along the way. But the purpose, don't miss this. Dating is for the purpose of discovering the kind of person you want to spend the rest of your life with. Not just, is it that person, but the kind of person. It's okay if you get in a relationship and you're moving through these phases and there is not a wedding yet and you go, I don't know that I want to spend my life with that person. I don't know if I want to deal with that for the rest of my life. My favorite book on dating, if you're single in this room, you want to get married one day, highly recommend this book. It's called Boundaries and Dating by Dr. Henry Cloud. It's a long quote, but he has this great little thing he says in the book. He says this, if you do not allow yourself to rush into falling for someone that you have not become friends with first, you will be more sure when you let yourself go to the next step. Certainly, you might find yourself having all sorts of feelings. Enjoy them, but do not believe them. Only believe your experience of getting to know a person and seeing if you can share at a deep level. See if you find that he or she is a person of the kind of character you would trust as a friend. And as important as all of that, see if that person is a person that you would like spending time with if there were no romance at all. That is the one true measure of a friend, a person with whom you like to spend time, having no regard to how you are spending it. Hanging out is fulfilling in and of itself. And that long-term requires character. And in the deepest of friendships, shared values as well. You 
would want your best friend to be honest, faithful, deep, spiritual, responsible, connecting, growing, loving, and the like. Make sure that those qualities are also present and the person you are falling in love with. Isn't that great advice? Amen. Okay, so I say all that to my single brothers and sisters in the room because I want you to have in your mind, what are we doing here? Like there's an intentionality to it. And if you come to the point where you go, this isn't the kind of person that I want to be friends with the rest of my life, it's time to have a DTR and it's time to break it off. It's time. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's no shame in that. So what does it mean to be that kind of person, to step into that kind of relationship, to grow in those ways? Let's come back to our couple, Song of Solomon. Chapter two, verse 16. My beloved is mine and I am his. He browses among the lilies until the day breaks and the shadows flee. Turn my beloved and be like a gazelle or like a young stag on the rugged hills. I love this language, right? It's so beautiful. And what we're beginning to see is just the flourishing of their relationship. My beloved is mine and I am his. Over and over and over again throughout the book, but especially here in chapter two, we see that she feels completely safe with him. She knows him. She's learning him. She's discovering him. She longs to be with him. He browses among the lilies. If you remember it last week, you know, she is like a, a rose among the thorns or a rose among the lilies. There's lots of women out there, but he keeps coming back to me. He's faithful. He's got character. Until the day breaks and the shadows flee, turn my beloved and be like a gazelle or a young stag on the hills. Remember, she already called him a what? A gazelle and a young stag. What we're seeing here is there was a change in their situation. So the last moment ended. They were together. He was calling her to come, come away, be with me, hang out. Let's go back to the garden. I want to be with you. I want to see you again. And now there's distance between them. And this distance is causing her heart to long to be in his presence again. Oh, I just want to be run all night long and be with me. That's how healthy relationships go. Yes, my wife and I don't have the same butterfly conversations that we had when we were dating, but we still, all day long, we text each other. Sometimes it's silly things like memes. Sometimes it's like, you know, uh, it's uh, schedule. Hey, what time is this? What time is that? But sometimes it's like, hey, I miss you. I wish I could be home with you. I wish I didn't have to get, you know, work to get paid. You know, those kinds of things. Um, <laughs> I wish I could just hang out with you all day. I wish I could just see you right now. Sometimes it's like, hey, I'm gonna come home at lunch. Do you need anything? You know, it's like sometimes it's probably not often enough. I'll stop and buy her flowers. Sometimes I'll stop and pick up a Starbucks. Um, you know, she's like, she's good either way. Like bring either one. No, it's like, I love you. I'm pursuing you. I'm chasing you. I want you to know you're important to me. We don't always get it right, but we love to have these playful moments back and forth because there's no place I'd rather be than with my wife. I love all of you. You're amazing, but I'd rather be with her. She's more amazing. But here's the thing I want you to get. If you're single, I want you to get this. But also, if you're married, I want you to get this. A relationship is ready to get to the serious stage when you have seen their worst days and you still feel totally safe with them, emotionally, relationally, physically, and historically. What often goes wrong, let's talk to married people first. What often goes wrong in marital relationships 
is one of these areas has fallen away. We stop pouring into each other the way we used to. We stop listening to each other the way we used to. We stop pursuing each other the way we used to. We stop giving ourselves to each other the way we used to. Sometimes it's that I didn't really know who you were before we got married. And now I'm finding out who you are and it's like, it's a shock to the system. But God made us to be all of these things. And marriage is supposed to be the safe place where these things get played out. Now to the single people, if you don't know these areas yet, you probably aren't ready to be married yet. I joke with every young couple that I do premarital counseling with, and I joke with them, my job between now and when you get married is to convince you to divorce each other, to break up before it's too late. Yeah, that's about the response I get. They're like, maybe we'll ask uh, Lyndon to do our wedding. And um, I always laugh. I say, no, 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 I'm not serious. But listen, I want you to be able to know as much about each other as possible. So that when you get married, you could say, I truly knew what I was getting into, and I want this person anyway. Because that's what marriage is built on. I love Tommy Nelson in the book, The Book of Romance. He says this, a person who truly loves you should be able to handle the full truth about you. He said, I met a man who fell in love with, a, fell in love with courted and married a young woman who had once been the pass-around girl in college. She had been through 20 or more sexual affairs during her college days. By the time she met the man she later married, she had come to her senses, committed her life to the Lord, and was deeply embarrassed about her past. Nevertheless, she confessed her past to her husband. She wanted no secrets between them. What was his response? He wept openly for the pain and grief she had suffered. He rejoiced that she had come to Christ, His love for her increased because he saw the transformation in her life as both a miracle from God and an act of courage on her part. He became her protector, loving her in a way that gave her a genuine shield against the world. See, that's what healthy relationships ought to look like. Not where secrets are are existent, but where I am known and fully loved for who I am. There may be parts of me that need to grow and to change and to shift and to get rid of, but I'm known for who I am and I'm loved and appreciated for who I am. A few years ago, I was talking with a friend of mine and um, my friend said, you know, Matt, um, you might be ADD. And I thought, you know, there's probably something to that. I've been joke, joke, teased about it my whole life or whatever. And so I decided to talk to a medical professional. And I said, you know, my friend said I might be ADD. And uh, this medical professional laughed and said, yeah, I, um, I probably could have said the same thing. But there is a, a little, it's a very uh, unspecific test. Here, just go ahead and take these questions with you. Take the survey and just bring it back sometime. And we'll talk about the, the results. And I don't remember the details because I'm ADD. And the results said something like, it was like, I can remember 18 questions or 23 questions or something like that. And I came back and I said, well, I only had like, like I don't know, it was like, 18 of these that were absolutely me, and then like two or three that were kind to me, and then I had, you know, three or four of these that really weren't me at all. I'm like, I don't, I don't know what that means. And he goes, Matt, it takes six of these for us to identify you as ADD. <laughs> it's like, oh, that's pretty strong, huh? <laughs> so he's like, well, what do you want to do with it? And I was like, I don't, what are my options? And, and he's like, well, we can prescribe medicine if you want. I was like, okay, well, so um, I, I tried taking medicine for a while, and that didn't work. I couldn't sleep, I, you know, up at 5 a.m. and then up till 2 or 3 a.m. And it's like, this is not functioning. You, I was your pastor in this season. I had these big, dark eyes. And I'm like, ah, Jesus loves you. It's awesome. And, uh, 
I tried that for a while and we'd reduce that medicine, tried that for a while and then change the medicine, reduce that for a while and I couldn't figure it out. And he said, you know, Matt, he said, I can't remember, at this time I was like 40 years old and he's like, Matt, you're 40, you lead a large church, you have a lot of people who love you. He's like, you, you've kind of already figured out this part of your personality. I don't know that you need the medicine. And I went home and I talked to my wife and I was like, oh, I'm wrestling with this. And this is the reason I say this. I don't know, forget this. My wife said, I like you better when you're not on the medicine. She goes, don't get me wrong, the medicine works. You get really focused. She goes, but see, part of what I loved about you was you. Yes, you're impulsive and you, it can drive all of us crazy. You, yes, you're, you're, you're kind of fun loving, but that's part of what we fell in love with. We love that part of you, that part of you that just is kind of crazy and like, hey, let's just drop everything that needs to be done and go for a bike ride. That part of you that just is just, just it's fun. And you know what's really cool is I don't, maybe I didn't say this well last service, so I don't know that anybody else can relate with this, but I feel constantly anxious about my ADD. In every conversation, I feel like I, I'm not, I feel like I'm just not measuring up. And I feel like it's that part of my, I always think, I wish I could be more specific. I wish I could be more detailed. I wish I could be, I, wish, I mean, I just get this long list of, I just, I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish. But I married a woman who says, I love you for you. And see, that's, that's marriage, right? I didn't go into this expecting you to become everything I wanted you to be. I went into this falling in love with you. That doesn't mean we don't have things we gotta work on. We gotta capture them little foxes before they ruin our relationship. But you, I love you because I know you. I love everything about you and I want to be with you. And so what happens at this point is now there's distance between them and she's longing for the safety and security that she feels when, when he's nearby. And she goes to bed at night and she has this dream. Notice in verse, chapter three, verse one, all night long on my bed, I looked for the one my heart loves. See, she's in a dream. I looked for him, but did not find him. I will get up now and go about the city through the streets and squares. I will search for the one my heart loves. So I looked for him, but did not find him. The watchmen found me as they made their rounds in the day. Have you seen the one my heart loves, she asks. So in this dream, she's imagining life without him, and she's miserable. In her dream, she gets out. Remember, she's been in the house in the cleft of the rock where she was safe and secure. In her dream, she doesn't care about the safety and security anymore. She so wants to be with him. She's willing to go out and explore and to find him because she just longs to be in his presence. I love the way that Dr. David Jeremiah says about this text. He says, the image of this young lady walking the night streets by herself is one that emphasizes her solitude, her loneliness without Solomon. Marriage provides the security to deal with issues and to do so as a team. The dream is helping her understand how much she needs that security. This will come up again and again and again throughout this series, but Jesus says, what God has joined together, let not man, what? Separate. See, it's a common belief today that uh, when I get married the first time, and I'll just say stop, it doesn't matter what the, next, the rest of the phrase is. When God envisioned marriage, it would be one man, one woman for life until death do us part, until death separates us. And I know that's hard, 
But every young couple comes in, and I joke that I'm gonna try to talk you out of getting married before we're down here. When I do that, I always tell them this. It takes one thing and only one thing to make a marriage work. And if you've ever seen the movie City Slickers, and I know I'm dating myself by even throwing that out there, but it takes one thing. You ready for that one thing? You might wanna write this down or text this to somebody. It takes one thing, you ready? A ruthless commitment to figuring it out. That's the one thing that it takes. No matter how hard it gets, I will not quit on you. That I am so committed to you that I will be a safe place for you to go through the things that life has for us together. So I'm a safe place for you to talk about your emotions and your feelings. I'm a safe place for you to to process your past and the wounds and your sins because I love you. And that doesn't mean it's not hard. Oh, it's tremendously painful. But if you don't have that person and you're thinking about marrying him, wait, it's not time yet. Or let it go, it's time to move on. But if you're married, man, maybe it's time to make that commitment afresh again. When people come into our offices, and I know there's professional counselors as well as even pastoral counseling here, we always start with this, if you aren't all the way in, there's really nothing I can do to help you. You've got to come into this moment committing right now. Divorce is off the table. It's not an option. We are fully committed. We are all in. Whatever it takes to fix this, we're going to do it. Even if I have to look myself in the mirror and say, quit being stubborn, quit being rude, quit being mean, quit being an idiot, capture these little foxes, whatever it is, I'm going to do my part. I can't make you do your part, but I can come into this committed. I'm not going to quit. I'm going to do my part. Well, God works on you to get you to do your part. Man, if you're willing to do that, every marriage can thrive. Song of Songs, chapter three, verse four. Scarcely had I passed them, this is the guards at night, remember? When I found the one my heart loves, I held him. It would not let him go till I had brought him to my mother's house, to the room of the one who conceived me. That's not awkward. We'll get there in a second. (laughs) Hang on. Daughters of Jerusalem, I charge you by the gazelles and by the does of the field, do not arouse or awaken love until it so desires. So remember, she's had this dream and she's looking for him and she finally tracks him down. I found the one my heart loves. And in her dream, she grabs hold of him. But in her dream, she wants that safety and the security of the relationship. So she takes him back to meet mama. Not only that, but she wants to take him into the intimate, innermost part of the house. And that's why there's that warning. Be careful. <laughs> I charge you by the gazelles and by the does. Remember, we have the males and the females. Like, don't, don't, don't go there yet. It's not time. But the reason is, when both people feel heard, safe, loved, built up, pursued, desired, Physical intimacy is the natural outcome. So this means a few things. Um, I want to give you a moment to talk to Jesus about what it means for you. But let me just throw some thoughts out there real quick. First, for the married person. Can you say that your spouse feels heard, safe, loved, built up, pursued, 
desired? If you're feeling physical intimacy brokenness in your marriage, maybe, just maybe, that's why. It's an outpouring of their relationship in Songs of Solomon. And the more their relationship feels nurtured, the more this just happens. And you'd be surprised in America today where we are so busy with the work schedule and the vacation schedule and the school schedule and the kids schedule and the sports schedule and my hobby schedule. We just don't have time to do the things that create this. And then there's constant frustration and irritation. And I just wonder what would change if that's your story, what would change today? What is God telling you to do different? Maybe for you, it's the little foxes. You've let the constant bickering or nagging or fussing at each other over something small and maybe even insignificant, you've let it boil and fester. You're sitting around thinking about all the things they're not doing instead of sitting around and thinking about how amazing and beautiful and awesome and treasured and precious and blessed you are to have them. Perhaps you're single in the room and you have a relationship that has gotten too far and you're just feeling this conviction by God. You've been feeling it for weeks, but just don't know what to do with it yet. Remember, the, the call both last week and this week is, it's not time yet. Don't awaken love until it's time. Man, praise God if you have found somebody who just makes you feel alive, who loves you for you and, and tells you how special and adored and precious you are. Praise God that he's put that person in your life. But if they aren't willing to honor God with their body today, what will they be willing to do in your marriage to dishonor God? And you want to put a boundary in place now. You want to because you want their character to come forth. It's okay to put off what you want and work hard for it. We all do that every single day. So what I want to do is I want to start a prayer and then uh, there's no song we're going to sing. There's no video we're going to watch. I literally just want you to sit in the presence of God and listen to his voice. Just this morning, about 10 minutes before the last service, uh, I, I opened up an email from my pastor, my mentor, and it was just an email he wrote, like a little blog. And he just did a, a celebration of life of a friend of his, somebody he's known since he was seven years old. And um, they passed away. But he told some stories at the funeral and he captured them and put them in his blog. And one of the stories was this. One time, her husband had lost his job and she was going through a really, really, really kind of anxious, fearful state. But she was walking down a stairwell and she heard this voice that said something like, you know, I've promised you I'll always take care of you. And it so caught her off guard that she started looking around like, hello. And she found out she was the only one in the stairwell. No one was with her. That's when she came to the conclusion that voice that she heard was God himself. And here's what I believe. It, it may be an audible voice. It may not be an audible voice. It might just be this conviction in your soul or a verse in your mind, something from today's message that you go, I know that one was for me. I want to give you a few moments to listen to that voice, and then I'll tell you what to do after a few moments. Let me start a prayer, and then just listen to the voice of God. Ready? Heavenly Father, we need you. We love you. Marriage is this amazing gift that is so hard sometimes. And sometimes it's hard because I am stubborn. Sometimes marriage is hard because my spouse is stubborn. But 
God, I can't change them. I can't fix them. I can't heal the wounds from their past. What I can do is come to you and pray for them. What I can do is seek them and pursue them and honor them and cherish them and love them and adore them and let you work it out in their life. God, for my single brothers and sisters right now in the room, God, I pray that something from this message would convict them, encourage them, challenge them. May they seek you and may they find you blessing them abundantly because of their desire to put you first. So Father, we're just gonna sit and listen and I'm just calling on you to do that thing that only you can do. Would you just speak right now into our hearts and into our lives, God? Speak so clearly that we know it's your voice.